boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Binge Boys is a program you're listening to right now where I, Hal Rudnick, talk to Lon Harris about stuff, streaming, the world of streaming. Went off the rails there a little bit. Lon, uh, the bearded one. Well, you lied. You opened the show by, they're not listening to it right now. We're recording it right now. They're listening to it later. Oh, oh, yes, that's true. Uh, I am talking to a microphone right now, and this is... Hours, days, weeks later. We're speaking in the past. Oh. Perhaps the distant past. Maybe these people are listening to it in the far future. Lon, the uh, um, slicing and dicing the semantics of binge <laughs> boys. Um, Lon, uh, how are things in the world of the bearded? They're all right. This is the worst time of year to be bearded. This, It's just the winter months are the bearded months. Yes. You're very at home. It's just... You're just prepared. You've just come with, uh, you know, a jacket for your face. You're just well stocked for the season. In the summer is when it's like, if this didn't hide the waddle under my face, I would shave it off. It's not really the right time. It's a little sweaty. It's a little hot. Summer's not the time for a beard. It's just those of us who are committed to it as a lifestyle kind of hang on. Maybe uh, maybe you need to move to New York. No, that's even worse. Humid is worse. Humid oh, is even yeah. worse. You would have to move to, like, the Arctic Circle. Like, if I lived in, yeah. you know, yeah, Lapland, it would be a year-round beard, and that's functional. Uh, any consideration of that? Moving to Lapland? I don't know. Yeah. I, I know nothing. Where is Lapland? Is that a Scandinavian country? It's northern Finland, I want to say, is Lapland. Oh, uh, the home of uh, windmills and wooden shoes? No, that's all. That's the Netherlands. Now I'm... Am I being uh, racially insensitive? To, no, uh, well, that's not even, like, you went outside of Scandinavia, even. Like, you didn't even come up with a Norwegian or a Swedish thing. You went all the way to the Netherlands. You're, like, a totally different part of Europe. I mean, a stone's throw. You might you might as well have just started throwing, like, Italian stereotypes at me. The Netherlands isn't that far. Oh, you know, with their wine and olive oil and organized crime. You know them. Well, there's wine all over Europe. That's true. Lon? You're supposed to yes and me there. Oh. Uh, you son of a bitch. Y- yes, and, and, and their- Too late um, now. You blew it. And their, and their pasta. You blew and, it! They're opera singers. Yeah, no, I'm, I don't accept. Damn it. Shit. Oh, I really shit the bed. Now, yeah, I, yeah. please don't stab me in the back when it comes to one of uh, a bit that I try to start. And to think how many how many improvisers you've mentored at this point. Oh, yeah, I've man. And to oh, fall please. down on your fundamentals. Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. How have I forsaken thee? Del Close is rolling in his grave. <laughs> yeah, oh my god. <laughs> don't let Del Close hear this. My god. No. Harold, whatever his last name was, would be aghast. Yes, Harold and Maud. Sure, you would know. Is that named after a gentleman named Harold? Where does that, where's the origin of the Harold? So the Harold originated in Chicago. It was created by Del Close and Charna Halpern in Chicago. Right. But I'm not sure why they chose Harold. I should know this. Hang on. 
all the time you've spent in this world studying all of this stuff. You never once were like, why do they call this the Herald? I've done many a Herald. I've you've mastered the Herald. Of everyone I know, you probably have clocked the most Herald hours. I've got a lot of Heralds under my belt, that is for sure. A lot of old Herald notches on the bedpost. And it was weird <laughs> that I would not. put them on my wooden bedpost. <laughs> every time you every time you do a Herald, you scratch that into the bedpost, yeah. Yeah, every time I got home from the UCB. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. So I can't help you out there, but here's a fun fact. I can't believe it, but all right, I accept. Yeah, uh, no, neither can I. But, uh, <laughs> I can't really called you out on this one. You must not know me that well, because to know me well would be to know that I will often disappoint. But uh, in addition <laughs> to uh, Harold, which is the improv teams, the long-form improv teams at UCB, yes. uh, UCB uh, has named their sketch teams Maud teams, Harold and Maud from the... Uh, the, uh, the Hal Ashby movies from 1970. Yes, the classic film. Classic. If you haven't seen Harold and Maude, check it out. I'm going to pretend that it's named after the B. Arthur sitcom, my preferred Maude, but, sure. you know, then there's Maude. You know, you know, you know Maude, right? We're making exclusive old man references today. Yes, and and Maud was a spinoff of was a spinoff of uh, the All in the Family. Yes, it was a spinoff of All in the Family. Maud was on an episode of All in the Family, getting under old Archie Bunker's skin. B. Arthur, uh, national treasure, uh, one of the Golden Girls. It was like what what Murphy Brown then. Well, like there's always like one or two of those. Like where it was like the kind of politicals. Like she was a firebrand. She was like an outspoken mm-hmm. lefty, Feminist, and that was yeah. right. That was like the hook in the seventies. That was like a lady with opinions. Let's make a show about it. That was all you needed in the 70s. <laughs> that was. Literally, there were like five 70s shows that were like, she's a lady, but with opinions. <laughs> uh, Rhoda? Yeah. There were, and like, there would be a movie called, like, An Unmarried Woman. You'd be like, well, this sounds fascinating. I can't. Mm. How? How is, what? What's, how is this even possible? What are you up to? That's unconventional. Jill Clyburn. Oh, yeah. Jill Clyburn from L.A. Law, I believe. As well. Jill Clayburg, excuse me. Jill Clayburg. Jill Clayburg. She was in an unmarried woman. Hey, Lon. Yeah. What do you say we do the news? Did it, did it, did it, did it, did it. It's all about Jill Clayburn today. We're exclusively talking about 70s, 70s. Jill Clayburn talk uh, <laughs> all day, all the time. Maybe that'll be our Patreon. She's also in, uh, I mean, she's in Bridesmaids. She's been in some more recent stuff, but uh, she was in Silver Streak, a movie I really enjoyed. Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor. Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, yeah. 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 It was the first, are they on their train? Yeah, it was the first yeah. Wilder-Pryor uh, team-up. So mm. Let's talk about some news. We mentioned last week, I feel like we, we already kind of went to town on this story already, but <clears throat> MGM, Amazon, there was a rumor deal in the works that we were talking about last week. It has been formally announced. It, it is starting to go through. Uh, $8.45 billion was the total. Uh, Amazon is going to spend to pick up MGM. It's their second biggest acquisition in Amazon history after their purchase of Whole Foods in 2017. You ever shop at that Whole Foods, Lon? Do you like that Whole Foods? Do I? Yeah, I like I like Whole Foods a lot. I'll tell you my favorite thing about Whole Foods is the, is the like serve yourself, get a box and serve yourself bar, uh, the hot bar in other words. Yes. Because as a gentleman who lives alone, mm-hmm. 
It, I like to eat my vegetables. You want a balanced diet, especially as you get to be older, like myself. You don't have to live alone to want to eat your veggies. But if you live with another person and you're cooking whole meals for multiple people, that's customarily part of it. You make a main sure. dish, you make vegetables, some sort of a side. Mm -hmm. But when you're living alone, the temptation a lot of the time can just be you know, keep things simple, heat something up, whatever. And it, I don't, yes. it, vegetables are a lot to get into like cooking when you're just for yourself. But at the Whole Foods hot bar, you could just go get portions of whatever you'd want, even put it in the fridge. That can be like three or four days of my daily allowance of, you know, roughage all in one shot. I'm glad to hear you're getting your roughage, but let me ask you this. You gotta get your roughage, folks. Listen, if you take uh, one uh, thing uh, away from this week's Binge Boys, when you're over 35, mm -hmm. as a young man, I, I did not have a very good diet. A lot of fast food, a lot of frozen food. In I there. was not very careful. And when you're 27, you could live that way and it's fine and you feel great and it's no big deal. When you're, when you're over 35, you can try to live that way. You're gonna have a rumble in your tummy. Oh yeah. All the time. Oh, yeah. So that's what I discovered is that you got to start to watch what you eat, occasionally having some kale, occasionally having some broccoli, occasionally throwing some you know, roasted cauliflower in the mix, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, some Brussels sprouts or some asparagus. You're right. You got to. But let me ask you this. The hot bar, I mean, are they still doing the, the hot bar and the salad bar in the same way? Now, uh, now that they are not, you are correct that we're still waiting to return. I'm very eager. Lon, will we ever go back to buffets again? I mean, I'm I'm ready. Like if they opened it up, I'd be like, all right, I'm vaccinated. You're ready to touch that fucking ladle? Give me my give me my heated up asparagus back. I want it. I want to fill a cardboard box. But you will touch that giant spoon. I feel like you got to put an attendant. I will take some tongs. I, well, I, that's not. I feel like you got to have a, a tong attendant. I did that every day. I didn't get sick. That's not going to give me COVID. I'm, I got a vaccine. I'm vaxxed, baby. What are you? What are you? What are you worried about? Yeah, me too. Me too. But you need a tong attendant. You want a full time tong attendant? Yes. Then your prices are just going to keep going up. You want to pay more at Whole Foods? I don't know. I don't want to be touching the the thing. That uh, I don't understand why you'd be. This has made you more germphobic for life, is what you're telling me. That the existence yes. of COVID nineteen for the rest of your life, you're going to be more scared of just germs generally because this one got really out of hand. Do you want to hear a two personal story real quick? Very short. Yeah, I definitely do. I was smoking a joint with a friend of mine. Hell yeah! Yeah, awesome. Fuck yeah! It's <laughs> a fucking sweet story so far. And uh, they were like, uh, yeah, let me get a hit of that. And I was like, oh, we're sharing this? <laughs> and uh, they were like, well, we're both vaxxed. And I'm like, oh, man, um, can I just roll an another one for you? So you're you're just traumatized by this. That's what I'm hearing. A little bit. I'm here. Okay. Oh, listen, I'm not trying to judge. I'm just getting the lay of the land. I don't want that South African variation. I don't want one of the variations. But like in a year, when we know more, when, when we're pretty sure the vaccine protects or there's another vaccine for all the new variants or whatever, do you feel like this is a temporary post-COVID situation you're in? Or do you feel like now for the rest of your life, you're just going to be like extra cautious about? I don't know. Will I go back to shaking hands or will I stay elbow bumping? 
Mm. I'm fascinated because I feel like at this point I'm vaxxed. Most people around me are vaxxed. But even if somebody's not, I'm protected. Like I'm worried about, you know, like the people who can't get the vaccine or whatever. Like I will do what I can to help and protect those people. But I'm at the point like I'm ready to go back to being a garbage person myself. No, I've heard about you. I heard you walk onto subway trains and you say, daddy's home. Who wants French kisses? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. And I'm not there yet. I was doing that height of the pandemic because listen, oh, I'm on. I'm a community-minded individual. Oh, like boy. Uh, you know, listen, the oh, CDC boy. they never specifically said you can't do that. So oh boy, yeah. No, I'm <laughs> I'm wading in uh, gently, gently. But uh, yeah, Whole Foods, I like it. Amazon, the ink is dry on the Amazon Whole Foods deal. No, I mean, this is going to be in process. I think regulators, federal regulators still probably have to sign off. Like, this is going to be a few a few months till this is a done-done deal. Like, No mm-hmm. Time to Die is an example. There's a Bond movie coming out, but right. they, it's too late. Like, Amazon can't, like, pull it from theaters and put it on Prime if they wanted to. The deals are already made. So they couldn't pull it from theaters and show it at Whole Foods. No, they could show it at Whole Foods. Just because, yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want that? Be like, Daniel, Daniel Craig is all over this idea. Get a smoothie. <laughs> Watch No Time to Die. Yeah, get some trail mix samples in aisle seven, and in aisle nine, you can watch yeah. uh, No Time to Die. Uh, no, so I mean, I, th- those deals are locked in. So I mean, we're we're talking about you know next year this will sort of fully take effect. And again, uh, I would just caution people in case you weren't listening to our last episode where we mentioned this: the MGM archives sold to. Turner in the 80s. Ted Turner bought them. Mm. So this does not really apply if you're thinking of stuff like Gone with the Wind, Wizard of Oz, all those classic movies that have MGM, that, that that's the studio that released them. They don't necessarily own most of that stuff. So Gone with the Wind, famously on HBO Max, because there was that big flap about... Exactly, because Turner... Turner became, you know, part of Warner Media, HBO yes. Max. So those movies are on HBO Max and Warner Brothers owns a lot of that stuff. This is more recent. It is like Basic Instinct is a good example of a more recent MGM movie that the studio owns, RoboCop, Legally Blonde, you know. Did you hear about this other Basic Instinct cut that was more graphic? Yes, the director's cut. What's the deal with that, Lon? Uh, it's been out. The director's cut has been out there for a long time. The The latest thing that has Ms. Sharon Stone very upset uh, mm-hmm. that she's been talking about is because it's 4K. So it's, it's, a, it's a crisper, oh. more clear resolution in the scene... The scene that she is upset about. I hate to ask, but I'm a journalist. Do you, uh, is there a labia sighting? That exactly. It's it's. She already objected to the shot where her genitals are visible, which mm-hmm. was already visible in the regular theatrical cut. The director's mm-hmm. cut. That scene is longer, and now a 4K restoration of the director's cut. It will be even clearer and crisper images available of this shot that, you know, it's the famous shot in Basic Instinct where her legs, especially not wearing underwear. Uh, She says it's a real it's a bit of a he said, she said she claims that Paul Verhoeven deceived her, told her that her underwear was reflecting poorly and they couldn't have it. But there's no way anything would be visible. That's what she says she was told. Paul Verhoeven's depiction of the incident is different. You know, I'm not offering an opinion. I will offer an opinion. If if Sharon Stone was lied to, I'm 
fucking team stone all the way. Of course. Of co- I think everyone agrees. That's disgusting. And yeah. I think everyone agrees that you should never be deceived into something like that that's going to be in a movie that lasts forever. Obviously. Ob- obviously. I mean, there are two rules in Hollywood. Never be deceived when you're in a movie and never do an audition at a Motel 6. Sure. Fair enough. Yeah. No, I, and of course, uh, our, our sympathies with that's a horrible thing to do. That, that's a horrible thing to do to someone. Of course, of course, if, if Sharon Stone was deceived, that's uh, horrific. And I, you know, I, I would not buy the 4K restoration because of this. Um, I wouldn't buy it just because I've given up on physical media. Just because I don't need to own 4K. I haven't, but I would. I don't need to own Basic Instinct in 4K. Lon, and uh, you know what? Uh, I know there's going to be a lot of haters out there who are like, what? I know we, probably the people who listen to this are that much more, but uh, you know what? It means I'm that much more committed to streaming, which we talk about here. Great. I still really enjoy collecting Blu-rays and if they look better and you never know, these things disappear. Sometimes you can't see things, like things just get pulled from streaming services. Then I will watch something else. Well, I it's cool that you enjoy giving corporations complete control over your uh, freedom of choice. I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm not a drone, Hal. I'm a free-thinking individual. I am a worker bee. Yeah, robot. Right. Let's 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 move on. So that that there, there you go. Amazon, MGM, one one in the same now. Tech companies own uh, everything because they came up with the app. Right. That's the most important thing. Uh, next, New Line Cinema. They're going to produce a new Evil Dead film. It's called Evil Dead Rise. Uh, this comes from Lee Cronin. He's the writer director. He also did 2019's The Hole in the Ground, an Irish horror film. Did you see that one? Oh, I don't know it. I don't know it. Uh, I believe it's on uh, Netflix. It's pretty good. It's very. It does not feel like the sort of thing that you would be like. This guy is the Evil Dead guy because it's very like mm-hmm. subtle. It's very de- deliberately paced. It's a serious kind of horror film. It's not crazy, gonzo, violent, funny, over-the-top like an Evil Dead movie. But Sam Raimi picked this guy, like hand-selected this guy, and this guy says he's a huge fan of the franchise, and so they clearly think he's the right guy for the job. But this movie's going to go directly to HBO Max. No theatrical release. Raimi is producing along with Bruce Campbell uh, and the original producer of the Evil Dead franchise, Robert Tappert. They're all going to executive produce. Any word on if uh, Campbell's going to make a little guest appearance? A little... No word on that. My guess would be... No, or if he does, it would be like a cameo as opposed to a... Yeah, like Lou Ferrigno um, as the security guard in the Hulk movie. Right, exactly. This is a very deliberate, like the 2013, you know, because they did the trilogy with Bruce Campbell, and then there was that 2013 reboot movie that Fede Alvarez did that Mm -hmm. they kind of hinted in a post credit scene, like maybe this will one day tie in. But I feel like this is like that. They're, They're trying now to... Campbell wants to do other stuff and is aging out, and it's like, right. can we keep Evil Dead going without Ash? Uh, so it's it's going to be two sisters. Uh, it's now in the city as opposed to Cabin in the Woods. Uh, Did you watch the Evil Dead TV series? Yes, Ash versus Evil Dead, the star show. I yeah. watched. I watched the first two. I don't know if I finished it. I watched the first two seasons for sure. It ended up being three. Is it worth checking out? It's fun, and it it like I feel like. Evil Dead, it, it, you know, there's kind of two ways you can go because the original movie was more serious. And then this is what Fede Alvarez did in the 2013 reboot was like it's basically just like zombie 
horror, demon, horror, and it's got maybe a quirky kind of sense of humor a little bit around the edges. And then in Evil Dead 2 and 3, that's when they really took it in a goofy, almost yeah. Looney Tunes over the top, funny direction. And Army of Darkness is basically, a, it's just like a comedy. It's like a slapstick oh, comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm, uh, totally. So I think you, you've got that choice. If you're going to redo it, you can either like, is this really play into the horror, gory, violent, demon stuff? Zombies. Yeah. Right. Or make it funny. I just, my concern is it doesn't really stand on its own as just another zombie. There's so many zombie things. There's so many Saturated. demon things. There's so many possession stories. I just feel like the thing that makes Evil Dead stand apart and its own thing in 2021 is the humor. Yes. I would think you would try to bake that into whatever you're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what Ash versus Evil Dead does really well. It feels like a continuation of that as opposed to the more serious direction of the first movie. I would think that's what you would try to do with this, but I don't know. Maybe they're going to go more serious. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. I guess you could try to go in the more, you know, like go really lay into the horror fans and make it like this creepy possession gore fest thing. Like that that could also work. We'll see. We'll see what they do. Yeah. But uh, but I know I, I totally agree. The, the zombie landscape is saturated already. So if, if you're not. I mean, funny zombies has also been done. I mean, you got Shaun of the Dead. You got zombie land like we've, we've done a lot with zombies all over the map. A movie we're going to talk about today. Uh, Army of the Dead. There's. There's a lot of zombie stuff, so you got to kind of figure out what your what your angle is, no matter what. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Lindsay Lohan. Oh, remember Lindsay Lohan, oh, sure. star of The Canyons. Who could forget? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, with with uh, porno actor James Dean. With porno, with by... disgraced porno actor James Dean. Correct. Yes, uh, directed by Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader. Wow. By, uh, Brent, um, keep oh, going. Uh, Bright Lights, Big City. Uh, Brett Easton no, no. Ellis is the Brett, gentleman Brett you're Easton looking Ellis. for. Yeah, That's yeah. the gentleman's name you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lindsay Lohan, she's going to star in a holiday rom-com for Netflix. Uh, this has the same setup as the uh, Gary Marshall film with Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, Overboard. Do you remember Overboard? Oh, yeah, where uh, Goldie Hawn is uh, some uh, richy rich lady who bonks her head. Bonks her head, gets amnesia, and then she has to stay with Ends the— Ends up marrying Kurt Russell and having um, uh, uh, Kate Hudson and um, and and Wyatt Russell. No, that's not—that's real life. That's—now you're, you're confusing the film overboard with reality. They don't have a, um, a wonderful Hollywood relationship and raise Kate Hudson and Wyatt Russell oh, in— Oh, very much so they did. In the movie Overboard, though? Kate Hudson has a different... Kurt Russell's not Kate Hudson's dad, right? Oh, you're probably right. I think Goldie Hawn is Kate Hudson's mom, but Hudson would immediately imply different dad. But Wyatt Russell, that's that's pure Kurt and Goldie, baby. Gotcha. That you could see. He's like 50%. Like, it's it's weird how much he looks like both of them. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Uh, this movie is Lindsay Lohan is going to play a spoiled hotel heiress. She bonks her head while skiing and gets amnesia. Ooh. It's right before Christmas, I should add. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she has to rely on the help of a blue-collar lodge owner and his precocious daughter. This isn't in the summary, but I'm betting she kind of gave him the high hat at one point. Like, oh, yeah. I'm too good for you. And now he's going to kind of like, oh, yeah. she thought she was too good for me. This ought to bring her down to size. But here's my question. One, they just remade Overboard. Nobody gave a shit. Anna Ferris did it in 2018. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Came and Came went. and went. Nobody cared because... 
Overboard really dated. Did not age well. Some consent issues. You can't really take advantage of a woman with amnesia, even if she was like kind of a see you next Tuesday before the head bond. Right, yeah, it's like, I'm going to make a fun movie about imprisoning a woman. Yeah, it's like, okay, (laughs) I understand a ball breaker in life. Like, maybe not the nicest character. I don't think she deserves to be, like, mind-controlled, brainwashed. Yeah, that's like... That's like gaslighting times ten, like... Yeah, that's forceful imprisonment. I might almost say it's grooming. I mean, it's every bad thing. It's every... It's like all of the above. It's crime. It's every predatory behavior in one. It's just, it's not, I don't know if it feels redeemable. So I'm guessing in this one, they're playing off that angle, that she's free to go. She's not being, you know, like, she's not being held in any way or convinced that a life that is not hers is hers, maybe. I don't know how they're going to deal with it. It just seems odd to remake Overboard again with Lindsay Lohan. You know, they should do it instead of her being like... But Christmas. Yeah. An Overboard Christmas. Okay, Two things. The reason to watch it, it's like to see if it's kind of like a bizarre, uh, weird pseudo watch because the same reason you watched the the last thing Lindsay Lohan was in the high profile uh, Elizabeth Taylor. Right. Yes. Uh, Richard Burton. <laughs> Liz, Liz. Richard and Dick and Elizabeth or whatever. Yeah. Dick and Elizabeth or whatever. Yeah. And so to see like, um, OK, it, like w- what semblance of together is she uh, acting wise? And then. They should do like a super updated version of it where she's like a really racist Karen and then she bonks her head and she gets taken in by uh, a family that she would have been like like, racially profiled. And then she really finds the love in her heart and then she comes to her senses. And then, yeah. I mean, yours, yours seems rife for controversy, but hey, maybe that's good for a movie like this, right? Maybe you want to get that attention. Let's go there. Like the best movie that ever talked about race, Oscar winner Crash. Oh, I thought I thought you were going to say Big Mama's House. I thought that's where you were going <laughs> uh, uh, No, but listen, uh, before we move on, I would just like to say for the record, I'm happy Lindsay Lohan is, but she, she was a very good comic actor in her day. And if we can get... Classic Lindsay Lohan back. I'm excited for it. This isn't anti-Lindsay at all. I just Mean Girls is a classic. And she's great in it. She's very good. So I I, What about the reality show where like Club Lindsay? Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club, I believe you're referring to. (laughs) Yeah. There was an article like last year on one of the blogs that was like Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club was totally staged. It's like, do we do we really need do we really need an article? Do we who who was watching Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club? Like, this is a fucking gritty, authentic truth. Uh, ooh, the verite style. Yeah. Ooh, I can't believe an investigative expose on Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club. It's like, no, this could not be. Every reality show is some degree of staged. Every reality show is completely staged, folks. Mm-hmm. They're written. They've all got writers. It's all. Yep. Do you ever see South Beach Tow? That's my favorite one of these. No. Is, is it a tow truck company in South Beach? It is tow truck drivers. It is. They are in Miami, South Beach. Ooh, where the rich and famous come to play, the beautiful people. It's like they know it's scripted and you know it's scripted. And so they are, it's like Reno 911, 
but actually <laughs> categorized as a, it would be like literally if they just pretended Reno 911 was a real reality show. Like if Thomas Lennon just did interviews as Dangle and pretended it was real. It's that over the top where they'll have like a late, like the tow truck driver getting hit by a car and knocked out of the parking garage. It's, a, it's like slapstick over the top. It's amazing. I highly recommend YouTube clips of South Beach Doe if you can find them. Okay. Next story. Boss Baby 2, a.k.a. Boss Baby colon Family Business. Uh, that's from Universal and DreamWorks Animation. On July 2nd, it is going to open both in movie theaters and on Peacock. This is a first for Universal and the Peacock service. Okay. They had a lot of success doing this with VOD during the pandemic. Universal released The Croods 2 mm -hmm. and Trolls World Tour at the same time in theaters, and they put them out on like as premium rentals, quote unquote, on VOD. You were all giddy about that Trolls World Tour sing-along. Who doesn't love a Trolls World Tour sing-along? Those are catchy number one jams. No, the thing about oh, the yeah. Trolls movies is they just use pop songs. They're just songs mm -hmm. from the radio. They're not, they don't write their own number one jams. They're just like, remember this one? Makes it easy. Let's just license this music and go to town. Remember that Pharrell one where he wore the huge hat? Uh, just happy? now, now trolls are dancing to it. Yes, it's called Happy. I figured now you- Now trolls are dancing to Happy. Now, but with trolls. So this, I, I would assume this is behind the uh, Peacock paywall, which I still don't have. Yes, this is not, no Freecock. You can't get this on Freecock. Oh my God. Watch your language. <laughs> you have not yet hooked me up with your Peacock password, so I have not seen the next- I keep offering and you keep not taking me up on my offer. I've not seen the next episode of Girls 5 Eva, which I loved. Oh my God, I'm so, I'm finished Girls 5 Eva. I so good. Knocked it out. So good. It's so good. The songs, at this point- I have like four Girls 5 Eva songs just stuck in my head like they were real songs. They've got one called Space Boys that <laughs> I have to actually be careful I don't just start singing in public because it's ridiculous. Sing it uh, in public. No. Well, I can't sing it on here because we're copyright violation. Sarah Burrell's, Sarah Burrell's gonna sue our pants off if we try to sing Space Boys. Yeah. I like to imagine her like sitting behind the piano like, thoughtfully composing Space Boys. Wait, wait, what's the loophole that we can like uh, sing part of it? What's the Honest Trailers loophole? There's no loophole, we're not allowed. What are you talking what's about? What's the Honest There's... Trailers loophole? No, we're not allowed to play songs on Honest Trailers. You know that. We can't play a song. We'll get nailed immediately. I remember getting demonetized for singing something in a in a Screen Junkies video. Yeah, I all the time have jokes about movie songs that we, in fact, we're about to talk about a movie that has a song that I would absolutely make fun of if mm -hmm. we ever do the Honest trailer for this movie, but I right. will not be able to because we're not allowed to play songs in the Honest gotcha. trailer. Anyway, uh, Boss Baby 2, let's get back. Let's get back to what fucking matters. Can we talk yes. about something important? Boss Baby 2. Uh, so Alec Baldwin, James Marsden, they will be reprising our roles. Listen to the setup of Boss Baby 2. Did you see the original Boss Baby? Hell no. Okay, so James Marsden, Alec Baldwin's a baby, James Marsden's the older brother, but for some reason, the baby is also in very into and good at business. That's the mm -hmm. first one. The new one, we're jumping all the way ahead. The boss baby and his brother are adults, voiced by James Marsden and Alec Baldwin as adults. But somehow, magically, they get transformed back into their childhood selves for 48 hours. So it, it does become another boss baby adventure. Gotcha. That's such a long fucking way around. Why not just have them? Yeah, why not just have it be 
the next day or a year later. Why not just have it be there's still a fucking baby? Like, what do you, yeah. what? Like, and also- well, babies, babies age out. It would be have to be Boss Tot. Boss Tot. But it's a fucking cartoon. It's an animated Boss Tot. baby. Boss Tot. Fine. But, but even if you did like Boss Five-Year-Old, like I don't give a shit, but like- How do you like the sound of Boss Tot? I don't. It's weird, but <laughs> Tot Boss, Tot Boss, Tot Boss. Now sounds like it's a different. It's like that's like The Apprentice, but for children. It sounds like a reality show or something. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's boss. like it's like out of these twelve children, only one can be the Tot Boss. It's still hosted by uh, Donald Trump, though. It's the same. Oh. All right, children, gather around. He should have gone straight back to The Apprentice. <laughs> But it should have been like Apprentice Junior. Like that's I don't want to see him do regular adult Apprentice anymore. I'm I'm tired of it. But I would watch Donald Trump corral a bunch of kids. Oh boy, do they ever explain how the Boss Baby is so uh, aware and able to talk? No, I believe, and I have not seen it either. But I believe it, it's playing that game of is this all in the kid's imagination? Like, is the is the brother just imagining that the baby is a business baby and we're seeing his imagination? Or is this really a business baby? We don't, I don't, I think it, it we dance on that knife's edge for the whole movie. There was a, a moment in time where I would get Boss Baby confused with Beck Bennett's character, who's the, uh, <laughs> right, the, yeah. the boss who um, walks and behaves like a baby. I mean, they are both boss babies, but different, different variations on a theme. We're all trapped in a capitalist nightmare. There's only so many artistic ways we can express it. One of them clearly yes. is putting a baby in business clothes and having them be the boss. Where, where is the union leader baby? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was true. my burning. Yeah, no, I know. Um, that was good. That was you, very good. Uh, oh, what about, and then, then where does- The billionaire class wants you to believe babies are doing business. There's no access for working class babies in Wall Street today. And what about affordable health care for that baby's mother? The top 3% of babies own 29% of all the pacifiers in this country. Those baby CEOs are getting kickbacks and bonuses. Uh, this what now, what we've just done, yes. better concept for Boss Baby 2. Boss Baby Thank 2 you. against Bernie Baby. I would watch that. Oh, hell yeah. Where's our socialist firebrand baby? Yes. <laughs> Marxist babies. Yeah, right. That's what. That's the obvious Boss Baby sequel. You know what? It would be very timely. It would be very timely. Boss Baby tangles with the Antifa baby. Oh, I love it. Antifa! That's my pitch. That's my pitch. The baby Antifa. <laughs> Defund the Pope. <laughs> mm, I brought a I brought a I brought a baba full of soup that I'm gonna throw. Uh yeah. yeah. Antifa babies, folks, coming to Fox. Antifa babies. Uh so anyway, Boss Baby 2, look for it July 2nd. Anywhere, if you pay for Peacock, you know what? I'm not going to look for it. I'm going to look away from it. You're gonna you're gonna hide your eyes from the Boss Baby, unless you're like, we need to talk about Boss Baby on Binge Boys, and then we don't know, we don't need to. It. That's all right. I'm going to spare us that. We did talk about Tom and Jerry, didn't we? 
We did. We did. I, yes. Hey, I wanted to talk about it. I had a lot to say about Tom had, and Jerry. Yeah, we know we had a nice chat about Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry opens with a cartoon pigeon rapping like De La Soul, or a Tribe Called yeah. Quest. I believe it's Tribe True. Called Quest. Yeah. What the fuck? That's weird. Anyway, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he will star as Uber co-founder and former CEO Travis Kalanick in Super Pumped. This is a new anthology drama series from Showtime. Originally, this was just pitched as a limited series about this guy's rise at Uber. And then, of course, we all remember he uh, stepped down following allegations of creating a toxic workplace and sexual harassment. You know what I didn't remember? That his name, that he's named after an asshole exam. Uh, that's a colonic, yeah. Tra- I, maybe it's a colonic, col- K-A- Travis colonic? Kalanic, I don't know. Maybe I'm saying it slightly wrong. You pronounced it exactly like uh, the the camera going up the butt. Kalanic, colonic, you know, maybe he's named after cameras going or, up. I'm not not a camera. What, what is a colonic where you... Uh, well, I think a colonic or, is like an enema. A colonoscopy yeah. is when they put the camera up there. Oh, maybe that's his cousin, uh, uh, Jerry Colonoscopy. That's not how cousin names work. Your cousin doesn't have a similar but different <laughs> last name to you. <laughs> I wish it was. That would be wish- cool, but no. That's how it is in The Hobbits, where they're like, the Bibbles and Bubbles and Bodkins. Like, they have cousins who have similar <laughs> names. But humans don't do it that way. Hobbit names are better than humans. I think we can all agree. It's like Harris, but then it's like Rothstein. Like, it's not, or like Hockstein. Oh, that's how, yeah. That's- I got a lot of cousins that got a lot of random Jew names. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah, I got Kaplan's. And- yeah, exactly. So, oh, one thing. I like JGL. I love me some Joseph Gordon. But look uh, at you guys. You guys are on an acronym basis. We're close. Oh, yeah. Um, hey, uh, JGL, it's uh, HR. <laughs> so, uh, but rather than seeing him play the guy from Uber, I'd rather he- see him play the guy from Looper in Looper 2 oh, because I want to see what happened with that Rainmaker character. <laughs> That's all you have. A looper reference, that's all you got for this. That's rich, what I will always bring up. Rich comic premise of a show about Uber. Uh, so anyway, now it's going to be an anthology, so each season will be a different controversial story that rocked the world of business. So we're just going to start now with Uber, and then season two they'll pick a different dumbass. They're going to get raw with this Uber story and yeah. everything that went down. Well, it's, it, honestly, it feels like now every time like a tech company like blows up and goes wrong, we get a podcast about it and then we get a, a documentary about it. Then we get a scripted show like WeWork uh-huh. and uh, Theranos. They're working on all those like oh, the lady yep. with their fake blood box. Yep. El- Elizabeth Holmes. Yep. Yeah. And so now we got to do Uber. We're just going to go one by one through all these disastrous because what a surprise all of the platforms are owned by tech companies, and they all think stories about guys who found tech companies are fascinating. Oh, who would have thought? Who would have thought this would appeal to a bunch of tech CEOs? Yep. Ooh, yep. stories about a guy just like me? Yep, just planting the seeds in our minds, in, our, yeah. in, in the entertainment that we watch, so we can uh, just keep kowtowing to big yeah. What if we cast a beautiful celebrity as a guy like me? Oh, boy. As some fucking uh, Silicon Valley troll. Yeah. So look for Blue Origin, the Amazon story, coming next year from MGM. With uh, The Rock as Jeff <laughs> Starring The Rock yeah. as Jeff The Rock Bezos. He owns that now. Dwayne Johnson can't use it anymore. Oh, That's no. part of this deal. Now it's oh, just Dwayne no. Johnson and it's Jeff The Rock Bezos. Wait, wouldn't he have to clear that? 
with Vince McMahon? You could get your ass sued. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> can you smell who The Rock is suing? <laughs> yeah. No, now you have to say, can you smell what Jeff Bezos is cooking? That's, oh. You have to say that. At the Whole Foods Hot Bar? <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this, Lon. Maybe we've gone past it, but I was, have you ever had a weird Uber driver or Uber ride? <laughs> uh you know what? Sure. I, I'll tell you my weirdest Uber story. Uh, my now ex-girlfriend and I, we were going to Peru and we were going to the airport in an Uber. That's a long and, Uber ride. And you know, no, we were going to the airport <laughs> to get to Peru in an Uber. First, you got to mm. stop. You can't even go. We stopped in Costa Rica. You land in Costa Rica to go on. You don't even fly mm. directly to Lima most of the time. But anyway, mm-hmm. we, uh, so we're in the Uber. You know, when you're going to the airport, that's the common Uber, let's start a conversation question. You're set up for where, where you guys where are you guys going? So uh, we're, we're going to Peru. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool! You're gonna you're gonna take uh, ayahuasca when you're there. Immediate follow up question: You gonna take ayahuasca? Wow. Now, this was actually the Uber driver couldn't have known this, but this was already a bit of a sore point between me and my ex because I really wanted to take ayahuasca when we were in Peru, yeah. and she was like, "I'm not doing that." There are these in Peru when you go to Lima and stuff. They really try to sell you on it. There are these tours where you go across Lake Titicaca into Bolivia, into the rainforest. You take the ayahuasca. There are locals there who will, like, take you through the ceremony and, like, talk you through what you're supposed to do and whatever. You stay overnight in the jungle, and then you come back to Lima the next day. I thought that sounded awesome. I really wanted to do that. Uh, Danielle, my ex, was like, absolutely not crossing uh, Lake Titicaca on a raft to go camp out in the jungle and do drugs with you and some weirdos. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that sounded good. So we're like, nah, we're probably not going to do that. Just now it's now it's weird. And the, the driver then, uh, it turns out he had a sideline selling DMT, uh, probably some other drugs as well, and basically was just trying to like Gave me the really hard sell that he should be my drug dealer. Like, I guess just got a vibe off of me that, like, this guy buys a lot of drugs. You know, just, like, read that from going to Peru, looking the way I look. I don't know what was the thing. Uh, So it was, like, a full-on whole way to LAX. Like, all right, I'll, yeah, I'll sure give you a call if I... Oh, if I need anything, all right. It was just like such a relentless hard sell. It was very weird. And uh, it made Danielle suspicious where she was like, why did that guy try so hard to sell you drugs? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. She's like, did he know you? I'm like, I don't know. You're giving off this vibe. I gave off a real drug vibe. Wow. I mean, listen, I love drugs and people should sell their drugs to me. But it was a weird vibe because, you know, I'm like, not right now. I'm on my way to the airport. I can't, what? This is the worst time. Did you give him five stars? Did you give him the five stars? I still gave him the five stars. Of oh, course good I man. I always man. give five stars. You know what? That's better than my uh, weird Uber stories. I like it. Move on. Are you not going to tell one? Oh, I'll, okay, I, get, uh, I, I got two, but I'll, I'll tell you just, this is sort of weird. What a tease. What a tease you are. You wanted me to uh, beg for it. You wanted me to ask. Okay, since you are. You weren't going to unprompted tell an Uber story. You wanted to be like, no, how tell an Uber story. It's going to be underwhelming. Yours was uh, really fun. But just. Well, then let's not do it. Then let's if it's underwhelming. Well, we've talked about it so much. All right. I'm going to shut up and let. I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you take it from here. But get ready to be underwhelmed, listeners. Use your best judgment on this. All right. So uh, <laughs> what a terrible setup for a story. I'm sorry. I've done you no favors on this. Not, not at all. But uh, you know what? <laughs> I, I, I left you hanging on yes-handing in the beginning of the show. <laughs> this is my revenge. Tell a story. Make it fucking funny. 
this isn't funny as shit. You've wasted our time. The very first Uber ride I took, where, and I was all excited to take it because I was like, wow, I can go out and drink and get a ride and I'm going to be totally safe. And it's the first one. This is like, I don't know how many, five, six years ago, uh, I think. So I got into the Uber and we're driving and playing on the radio was a sermon, like a church sermon. Sure. And it just weirded me out a little bit. I feel like you need to keep a car, uh, like a, a driving service, secular. I got a little nervous. I felt like uh, this guy was going to turn around and be like, did you repent? You need to repent, boy. We're driving out to the woods and I'm going to teach you how to <laughs> repent. And then I'm... So I respectfully asked him oh, oh. to put on some music. Wow, okay. Instead. Bold. Yes, because here's the thing. I respect your right to practice your religion, to follow your religion. <laughs> but I was trying to vibe. We wouldn't presume you didn't. It wasn't like, I, listen, listen, sir, I don't think you should be free to believe in your faith. <laughs> I don't know. People jump to conclusions. People are like, oh, um, well, I'm going to go from point A to point C here and say that Hal is intolerant and of religion. I assumed you were, yeah, generally in favor of religious freedom. And I am generally in favor. Of, of religion, course, I think but we like, are. you know, let's keep let's keep our fucking Ubers and Lyfts secular spaces where we can play radio hits. Uh huh. Well, what happened? He changed the station. Oh. Oh, and then I remember this first ride. And then- I thought we were leading into like, and it became a fight or something. No, that was it. See, uh. I told you it was underwhelming, but then he talked- No, well, listen. Yeah. Were you thinking in your head, was it just that you would have preferred music or were you thinking like, this guy knows I'm a Jew. There's tension in the car now. No, I, no, I was only thinking. It was purely just like, you wanted to vibe. You wanted to vibe out. We conversated, we conversated. Oh, okay. And- he told me about, he He said he was solely responsible for bringing stand-up comedy to Costa Rica. No one had thought of it before him. No one had been like... The first comedy club in Costa Rica. Okay, well, but that's different. Like, to say you brought the idea of stand-up comedy to Costa Rica, that, that seems specious. That's a specious claim. But yeah. to say I opened the first comedy club in Costa Rica. Okay, that's a legit thing I could imagine someone doing. Yeah. There weren't necessarily tons of stand-up comedy clubs in Costa Rica. Well, good for him. That's an, what, an, what an interesting guy. Indeed. Uh, so, and he dropped me off at the, uh, I went to a trivia night at a bar. Oh, and, uh, there you go. Um, hosted by your friend and mine, Cody Decker. Ah! That was my first Uber ride. I've met him once. He's a nice fellow. <laughs> I uh, I don't think that was a terrible story. I think it was. I think it was all right. I think you could maybe spice it up a little at the end, like the guy decked you across the face. Or... Um, the, the, then the guy sprayed me with holy water. They and yelled, and, "The and, power and, of Christ compels you," and and told me to uh, get out of his uh, get out of his uh, Christ mobile. I cast thee out. Uh, last news story. Yes. Elizabeth Banks is going to direct, produce, and star in a series adaptation of a novel, Red Queen, by author Victoria Aveyard. Uh, this is going to be for Peacock. It's set in a future version of America. We're no longer a democracy in the future. Instead, we are a monarchy, and we're ruled by a council of superhumans. So they're, they're, they're humans with superpowers. 
Banks is going to play a regular person who leads a revolution on behalf of the oppressed when she discovers that she, in fact, has uh, superpowers of her own. Oh, wow. So there you go. Red, Red Queen coming to Peacock. You got to get this Peacock going, man. You can't. So you're staying on Freecock. You're missing all the best stuff. Damn. I mean, I, I love that. Girls 5 Eva. Girls 5 Eva is great. And I'm really, yeah. I really enjoyed it. And is, is Elizabeth Bang, uh, did you say she's directing it as well? She's going to direct this. She's going to produce this. And she's going to star. It's a Banks heavy production. Ah. I never saw that Charlie's Angels she directed. Uh, that kind of came and went. You know what? It got it got a lot of shit, and it does a thing that annoys me. Hmm. Elizabeth Banks also did that that Power Rangers movie, and this also does that. We've seen this a lot. In fact, we recently talked about Mortal Kombat doing this as well. It's when you treat the first movie as like the the warm up. Like, okay, we'll pull the oh. team together. We'll treat it like yeah. a like a prologue, and then we'll we'll save the real shit for part two and three. You could tell they're doing that. Where this one is like, let's get the three angels together, and then by the yeah. end of the movie, they're Charlie's Angels. But the movie doesn't really do the stuff you think a Charlie's Angels movie is gonna do. Having said that, yeah, give me the good stuff. Give me the good stuff. Having said that. I think people were too hard on it. I still think it's kind of fun, and I think Kristen Stewart is fantastic. Like, it, it really makes the case that Kristen Stewart could handle more of those kinds of roles. Like, she could be leading. I like Case Stew. I like Case Stew a lot too, and it feels like she could be leading action films and franchise movies. Like, she doesn't just have to do art, artsy, art house stuff. Gotcha. Well, another uh, another entry into the uh, the superhero canon here. We have so much superhero. Yeah. So much superhero stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about some today. Been like, look, a lot of it's good. A lot of it's good, and a lot of it, you know, like a lot of it's good. Yeah, and Invincible's great. The Boys is great. Yeah, we're, so. we're, we got another one in the pipeline today. It's an embarrassment of riches. There you go. Pays to be a comic book fan. What a great time to be alive. <laughs> it's Hal's new character, the jaded man who's sad about everything. Yes. Uh, coming up, we are going to talk about the. Army of the Dead on Netflix. We watched it. Juan, we watched the Army of the Dead, and uh, there were zombies. There was Ugh. Batista. There was um, there was two and a half hours of movie. You're you're in the Gremlins two sketch, the Key and Peele classic of the season. Uh, that yes. was my favorite review of this movie. Was somebody redid the? They posted an image of uh, Star Magic Jackson Jr. along oh, with. Yeah. So you say it. There's a tiger zombie and a robot zombie and a pregnant <laughs> zombie and Elvis zombie. I'm gonna even throw in one. It's like it feels like that. It, it's like a Gremlins two kind of like a little throw a kitchen sink this shit. Like throw every idea you have at the wall and let's see if any of it sticks. Yeah, and uh, I'll tell you what, just when I queued it up and started watching it and I paused it and I'm, or when when I either saw it on uh, the, the title page on Netflix and saw that it was two and a half hours. Yeah, wow. Like, really, Zack Snyder? Yeah. I just willfully spent four hours of my life with with one of your things, two hours. I'm like, okay, you're pushing it, but I'll, two and a half hours is too it's long. Too, it's too long, it, and it feels too long. There are climactic points where I'm like, okay, like looks like we're almost done. I paused it, and I'm like, forty five minutes left. How? It feels a little bit like 
a not very good – like people were comparing it to video games. To me, it felt like kind of a not very well thought out anime. You know, like anime, hmm. you'll all the time get – there's like rules. You got to know here's everything about this future and here's everything about how the bad guys work and here's everything about this mythology and there's all kinds of like rules and levels and like good anime, it you know, it, it like it all bakes into the story and it pays off. But like mm-hmm. this, it just feels like a ton of setup. And then I know they're planning to do like there's an anime for this and there's a prequel movie and they're planning to do mm-hmm. other stuff in this world. But it felt like tons of stuff that's just blind alleys where you get all of this insight into like the zombie society and all these yes. different kinds of zombies and the layout of all this stuff and the technology and none of it pays off at all. Like, no, it goes nowhere. Yeah. The zombie hierarchy of these smarter zombies it just it's barely there. Oh, we need the zombie head thing doesn't pay off. And oh, these zombies are pregnant mm-hmm. doesn't pay off. And I mentioned there's a robot zombie that's never explained or paid off. Even there's a scene where when they first get into Vegas, Vegas has been quarantined because it's, Vegas, a, baby, Vegas. it's a zombie zone. Our heroes first go into the quarantine zone. They see there's all these like sun bleached, non-moving zombies that look like they're they're dead. Yeah. And the the guide who's leading them into New Vegas or whatever is like, oh, yeah, if it rains, they come back to life. And so you're like, well, that – if I've seen a movie, like yes. that definitely means these zombies are going to get motherfucking wet yes. and we're going to have wet zombies running amok. Nope. Never brought up again. Does not come Never up again. Brought Never up brought up again. up again. And obviously that's in a comic book in two years that they're planning. But I don't like I don't like that. Yeah. You can't dangle all those threads in front of me and never pay them up. Why am I spending two and a half hours on this? Absolutely. A lot of dangling threads. Uh the motivations for the characters are often just uh barely there. I did like that Tignataro makes it a joke. Like Tignataro's whole character, the joke is she agrees to go on the mission not knowing what it is, motivated purely by money, and doesn't care on any level about what. It's just like, all right, I'm in, whatever. I like Tig a lot. You know, I read an article saying that, like, Tig didn't fit into any scene because they had to do it uh, green screen afterwards. I wasn't bugged by her at all. It's incredible. So that they shot that whole movie with Chris Delia playing that role. Like, he's mm-hmm. in all of that footage. They then digitally removed him yep. and then reshot Tignataro's entire part with just her in front of a green screen. She never, like, she and Dave Batista have never met. Still, mm-hmm. to this day, uh, they just filmed all of her scenes and they, they completely removed Delia from all the shots so that Tig could move around a little bit so she didn't have to just yep. perfectly replicate his performance. She could put her own in there. That's the best thing about the movie. It's amazing. There are a few, there are a few big group shots where it's not a hundred percent seamless. You can kind of see that it doesn't look like she's quite on the same plane. But it's only kind of if you're looking for it's it. It's only like, if you're it's true. I knew to look for it. And for the most part, it's incredibly well done. It's seamless. It's like incredible. And she's great. It's a good performance. It fits into the movie perfectly. I mean, I'm I was very impressed by the technology there. Yeah, really wry, very funny, knows how to like has a strong take on this character, chomping on the cigar and delivering one-liners like uh, a fucking G. I buy her as an action hero 100% at this point. Totally. And 
you know, I'll take it a step further. You know, one of the things I did like about the movie was the ensemble that goes in. I thought, I thought like several of the performances there, like, um, I, I like the actor Garrett Dillahunt. He, I'm a sucker for him, uh, back when he was on, uh, Deadwood and, uh, Batista's always pretty good. And then, um, Dieter, who's the lockpick guy, uh, he was good. Yeah. So like, there's some chemistry there and, you know, I love that trope of putting together a team to go do something. So there are absolutely moments in this movie where I'm like, oh, I'm digging this movie. But by the end, it gets outweighed uh, by the length of it, motivations of the characters where you're like, huh? Like, I still don't know why uh, Batista's daughter knew where to go to save that woman that random woman from the- I mean, that whole thing feels very thin. The, the, like, yes. she knows this woman from the refugee camp and she's so dedicated to her, she's going to, yeah. like, risk life and live. And the, the action started to get very repetitive. Well, here's what way. I'd like to say. While we're talking about, like, I think this is the main issue I had with the film, aside from all these other things I brought up. The mm-hmm. thing that kept me moment to moment from enjoying this the most is that Zack Snyder is messing around constantly with the depth of field and he's like constantly messing with the focus and like racking focus and he, it it doesn't work. And most of the screen is blurry most of the time. Like it looks like whatever character is in the foreground is like suspended in a glaucoma world where you can't see what's behind them. And this movie is so like sumptuously produced, like, they created this whole bombed out zombie Las Vegas. You want to see it. Like they've made this incredible vista for us to see. And you get occasional wide shots and establishing shots where you get to see it. But every time there's characters talking, he's constantly racking focus between between whoever's talking or between the background and the foreground. It's like he's trying to control where your eyes look in the frame constantly. So even if a character is having a conversation with another character, like the one who's speaking is in focus and the one who's not is blurry and then back and forth and it's like headache inducing and awful and it really ruins a lot of sequences of the movie, I think, honestly. Yeah, I'd have to agree. And it's just repetitive. It's like how many, you know, I mean, we live in a world where there are so many zombie kills available to viewers and there is just like, you know, this climate, like this big action set piece where they're in a casino killing zombies. I'm like bored. I'm like, Yawn. yeah, I, I, again. And this is a common thing with with Snyder films. I think of uh, the Watchmen has a great opening, but the this movie has a really terrific opening title sequence mm-hmm. where we're actually watching the zombie initial zombie takeover of Las Vegas. And it's yes. there's a sense of play. It's fun. It's zombies are running through a casino. They're grabbing the toupee off people's heads. They're they're biting showgirls. It's it's what you think of when you think mm-hmm. of an over the top zombie movie in Vegas. Yeah, and that tone is not present for the rest of the film. The rest of the film is a very straight up grim horror movie about mercenaries in a zombie quarantine zone and it's very yeah. like soldiery heisty it it's it loses that sense of fun and again i think i think this is a you know sorry snyder fans i think this is a common snyder theme where brutality and and the the brutalness of the violence the visceralness of the violence 
kind of replaces fun or cool. Like these action scenes and these kills yeah. aren't exciting. They're just grim and gross and awful. There's one in particular. I'm I'm just going to spoil it. One okay. character, I won't say who, does get killed by the zombie tiger. And when I yeah. say that, even just saying it, a guy getting mauled to death by a zombie tiger sounds like it's going to be fun. Not fun. It's just yeah. awful. It's just mm -hmm. like watching a real person get eaten by a tiger. It has none of the sense of fun or silliness or zaniness or over-the-topness that you would think of would be in a scene where a zombie tiger mauls a guy to death. I agree. That scene wasn't fun. If you can't make that fun, don't make this movie. Before we move on, one other thing that I hated about this movie, the Ooh. fact that motherfucking Sean Spicer was in it. Yeah, that like, is weird. Like you like you jettison Chris Delia and bring in um, uh, uh, Tignataro. Did they have to refill the asshole quotient in this movie and bring in a fucking refugee from the Trump administration? They should have deleted him and put Rachel Maddow in. Thank you. <laughs> I guess he thought... Uh, well, Sean Spicer loses the in-movie argument. Like, Sean Spicer represents the, the bad guy side in the context of the film. So I think that's maybe how Zach excused it or whatever. I just don't want to see that. Guy. I also thought that was gross. I don't, don't put Sean Spicer in your movie, just ever, for any reason. Yeah, don't put him on Dancing with the Stars. It's not funny. It's not ironic. It's just, the, just don't celebrate that guy. He doesn't deserve yeah. it. I agree. Army of the Dead, Netflix, uh, you know. Sean Spicer's Army of the Dead starring Sean Spicer. There it is. Also on Netflix, we watched uh, a star-studded movie that is very influenced by a number of classics. The Woman in the Window on Netflix starring Amy Adams, Julianne Moore, Mank. Mank was in the movie. Mank's you know in this that? movie, yeah. Mank, yeah, Gary Oldman. A Woman in a Window in this economy? <laughs> Um, uh, this sucks. What the fuck? How how is this a popular book? I mean, yeah, it's this story is bad and dumb and also bad. Yeah, the the, the confusion that happens in this movie like should have easily been cleared up. It's just it's here's the thing. I think the the book was a bestseller. There's a bunch of like Oscar winners and nominees. I mean, Amy Adams, Julianne Moore, but even like the even the the small supporting roles are Brian Tyree Henry or you know like all great people. Like everybody in the movie, Tracy Letts wrote the screenplay. Like a great playwright wrote the screenplay and is in it. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, Jennifer's Jason Lee. Yeah. Why would even Jennifer Jason Lee take that role? Blink and you miss it. Anthony Anthony Mackie appears. Yeah, it's crazy. Every role is somebody famous and good. Yes. And it, it arrived with this huge pedigree, and I, I, so I think people expected it to be a good movie. This is a lifetime original. Like this is a very <laughs> trashy, like beach read kind of story. I don't even know, like, how did this happen? Joe Wright directed this. He's the guy who did Pride and Prejudice and Atonement and Hannah, oh, okay. like a real mm -hmm. filmmaker. Like, what? Yeah. Uh, it's just, I don't I don't know how, what anybody saw in this that they thought was going to be good. It's very rare that I, I enjoy an homage to an old classic movie by seeing the movie on screen or seeing, right, like, yeah. I think Logan, when uh, Logan is in Vegas and he ends up watching uh, Shane, Shane. Uh, yeah. on, on TV. I enjoyed that moment because I've got a 
um, a soft spot for that movie, Shane. I watched it as a kid with my dad. That stuff is, uh, there's a guy, Jay Carney, uh, a, a film critic and writer, uh, and mm -hmm. he writes that that stuff is flattering, that it's actually, uh, when you do stuff like that, with obvious things that make your audience feel smart. So he, yes. he hates that kind of stuff. He's like, oh, it's just, he's, he's trying to, he's, he's fluffing you up. So it's like, everybody knows Shane. That's not an obscure reference. But when you're watching it, you're like, Shane. Yeah, it, it's like right. it's like that, right? It's like, oh, look at me! I know the movie Shane. It's like everybody fucking knows Shane. Um, but anyway, I don't mean to call you out. I just think that that happens a lot in movies where they. Right. Oh no, but like I'm, I'm saying, I usually don't like it. That one spoke to me because yeah. I was a, uh, a Shane fan as a kid. But it's but, it's a little pandering. It's like, yes, we all know. But right? in this movie, they do it like three different times with film noir. They, there's a, a Jimmy Stewart rear window moment. They show uh, the classic uh, Gene Tierney. Uh, Laura. Yes, which is Laura. One of the great film noir uh, kind of mystery. Look, look at you recognizing Clifton Webb and Laura. Very yes, good. Yes, absolutely. Well done. Um, Gene Tier. Oh, okay. Write this down, listeners. Um, young Hal had crushes on two 1940s, 1950s starlets. Really? And those, yes. And those are Gene Tierney from Laura and Veronica Lake from Sullivan's Travels. Ah. Oh, if you want to if you want to lay your eyes on a couple oh, of tomatoes. Yeah, a nifty number. <laughs> oh yeah, a couple yeah. of couple of good-looking dames, Gene Tierney and uh, Veronica Lake. But th this movie was so heavy-handed with it because like you're already getting the Jimmy Stewart vibes uh from uh, It's very very reminiscent of Rear Window. It's also very reminiscent by the way of Copycat, the 90s thriller starring Sigourney Weaver, also about a psychiatrist who's an agoraphobic who believes a serial killer is stalking her. So it's just like the way they do it in this movie is so inartfully, unartfully, inartfully done. It's just a brick upside the head. And like, there's no subtlety. To me, a, a lot of this stuff is like, well, how good is the ending? And, and I'm not gonna spoil this. I won't say mm -hmm. how it ends, because it's a mystery. I, I'm gonna spoil it. Don't spoil it, Hal. We're not, we should not spoil how this ends. Um, I'm, well, I'm just gonna say, the moral of this movie is that a trowel to the face is what it takes to cure mental illness. Okay, that's fair enough. I think I I, I just meant I'm not going to give away. That's who. what I learned. That if you if you take a fucking blow with a pointed sharp object to your face, it will cure you of mental. It illness. does help. Listen, we've all seen cartoons. We know that a blow to the head knocks away your memory, and then another blow to the head sets you right again. We all know this principle. It's similar. It's similar with mental illness. But here's what I want to say. Yeah. If this had resolved in a way that was generally satisfying, like mm -hmm. there had been clues sprinkled throughout that you could figure out, but it's hard to figure out. And then in the end, they upend your expectations in a way. I think I would have been willing to forgive a lot of the other lapses in logic or it being a little slow or overheated or whatever. Yeah. But it's just fucking dumb. It ends in a way that's dumb. There, You could have guessed it, but it would. it's rare. It's like throw a dart at the wall. Like they just pick a character and say, this character yeah. did it. Here's the explanation. It's not set up. It's not well established or thought out. It's just fucking dumb. And so what's the point? If you don't have a good capper, why even bother? Also, uh, you know, I don't think I'm spoiling anything here because you learned this early. Amy Adams' character should have been arrested for being a fucking peeping Tom. 
She's a peeper. She's an agoraphobic peeper. She's a little bit of a peeper. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. She, oh, a little bit. A lot of bit. I felt really bad. You know who else I felt? I felt bad for Mank. Gary Oldman's in this movie, Mr. Mank. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And, and it's just, like, it's so typical of the movie. His character is extraordinarily one note. It's just angry, awful, mean man. That's it. Also, also furious. Just incredibly mean. He's mean to everybody. He's mean in every scene. There's no mm-hmm. modulation. You're like, <laughs> you've brought in maybe like a lot of people would probably rank this guy in the top five or ten living actors. You brought in one of the great actors, a multiple Oscar nominee, an Oscar winner, mm-hmm. a legend in his own time. Indeed. And to give him a part where all he has to do is just bark, be mean to his son, be mean to his wife, be mean to his neighbor. He's just a drunk. It's like you could bring in literally anybody for this. This is so it's so silly. Like, it's not interesting to to not have any nuance. It was a little bit thankless, but I'll tell you, here's something I liked about the movie. Gary Oldman looked good with that white hair. He looks much better here than he does in, in Mac. He's much healthier. Woman in the window alcoholism, good for Gary Oldman's skin and complexion. Mank alcoholism, terrible. Yes, liver failure, dying. Um, But that that nice, a nice head of white hair on Gary Oldman. And of course, the real Gary Oldman, sober, healthy. Oh, yeah. Doing great. Living his best life. Let that be a lesson to all of you. Yes, indeed. Did you see Uh, that? What was it? Was it Armani? Who are the Gucci, maybe? Uh... They, it was Tim Roth and Gary Oldman and oh, two other actors, and they're just they're doing the catwalk at like Milan at like Fashion Week. Oh, wow. just like wearing suits, and it's Willem Dafoe is in there too, and mm-hmm. uh, there's one other guy, and they're just like strutting and owning it, and it is incredible. And Gary Oldman is is uh, one of the four. Highly recommended looking it up. Uh, Just look up like Gary Oldman Fashion Week. You will find it. I recommend it highly to anyone out there because they're just it's like you realize that being a model and being an actor like there's like 10 percent overlap. Like it's not the same job. We're not. Nobody's saying. Oh, sure. But like unless there's a little bit. Unless you're Cara Delevingne in Suicide Squad. No, I just mean like uh, purely doing a model's job, like walking oh. the runway during Fashion Week, being a model. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a performance. Like you're not playing a character like there's backstory, but you it, it's a character. And like you definitely see like Willem Dafoe is not just like Willem Dafoe the guy. Well, he's like he's right. he's playing it like oh, I got to I got to bring it. I'm at Fashion Week. It's really interesting to see. Smoldering blue steel looks. Yes, yes. exactly. They're like if I was a model, this would be my model face. And oh, it's yeah. it's really good. Uh the woman in the window is on Don't waste your time with this garbage. Yes. I would say before we wrap it up though, one thing about uh, Woman in the Window that was fascinating, uh, A.J. Finn is the name, the pseudonymous author's name, but yes. it's a real guy. Uh, and there's a New Yorker piece from like last year. Uh, he is like a pathological liar. Oh, wow. And like he worked at a whole bunch of publishers using like fake credentials. And he's just like left a trail of like lies and fraud in his wake. Uh, it's a really fascinating story. I recommend looking it up. That might be the story that we need to see. I think that it's more interesting than the book he wrote for sure. Coming up. Patton Oswalt's Modoc on Hulu. Patton Oswalt's Marvel's Modoc. Patton Oswalt's Marvel's Modoc. Patton Oswalt presents Modoc from the Book of Saw. Marvel and Patton present Oswalt's 
Hulu Modoc from Marvel and Patton Oswald. Based on the novel Precious by Sapphire. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Lon, uh, this was a very enjoyable addition to the uh, superhero fair. I, uh, I, I said this about, this is one of the reasons why I enjoyed Girls 5 Eva so much, the jokes per capita. Yes. Um, they're, they are, the jokes are coming often, and they're often funny. The voice talent is very good. Yes. You got some Ben Schwartz in there and uh, a lot of- uh, Melissa Fumero, mm -hmm. uh, Amy Garcia. Uh, oh, Sam Richardson is fantastic in sort of oh, a small yeah. role. John Daly is the the robot uh, butler guy. Very funny John Daly. Yeah, a lot of great people. Uh, I don't know if you noticed the- like, as a funny thing, like, all of the big characters, like, there's cameos from well-known, recognizable Marvel characters. Those are yes. all cast with big celebrities. So, like, Iron Man is in the pilot. That's John Hamm as Iron Man. Oh, wow. Uh, I did not realize that. No, spoiler. So it's kind of funny. Like, most of the characters are going to be voice actors or comedians. But when, you know, like, if there's a cameo from, like, Wolverine, that'll be, like, a big famous actor. I would describe the show as exactly Venture Brothers in the MCU. It's it's definitely that sensibility where it's, yeah. Like, um, imagine uh, the monarch, uh, the villain from the Venture Brothers, and the story focuses on him in yeah. uh, the MCU. And then you know exactly what the show is. And it's We're got starting to see this. It's interesting, these animated shows that are like the meta animated shows set within the larger shared universe. Because, like, there's that mm -hmm. Star Trek Lower Decks Paramount oh, Plus yeah. animated show. That's the same kind of thing. Like it gets to play to the fans because it can do all the inside joke things because it knows that you know all the Marvel characters and in the same way that they can do that on Lower Decks and in the same way Rick and Morty sort of does with just sort of nerdy sci-fi references in general. Yeah, and, and and it's done pretty well here. They uh, they got a sense of humor about everything. Uh, they take the piss out of some of uh, some of the characters and some of the tropes, so you enjoy seeing that. And uh, like, it's nice to see him like at uh, Shield headquarters, going through old boxes of things, trying to find this the evil uh, villain, trying to find the device that he made. And he's like, "What's this? Oh, uh, uh, Doctor Strange's prescription pad." Yeah. And like little like fun little Easter eggs all over the place. You never know when some kind of little Marvelism is going to pop up. And that's and that adds to the fun in addition to already very funny writing. Yeah, I my one caveat is that it it looks gross. Like I just don't like I believe it's digitally animated but made to look like it's stop motion or maybe it really is stop motion. I don't know. I doubt. It. But it's done like it's by some of the robot chicken team and it looks Yeah, Seth Green produces. And it looks like robot chicken and I just just I don't like it. It, it just looks ugly and bad to me. I don't, I, you know, I, I get that this is completely subjective, but. See, yeah, because on, on the flip side, I did not mind it as much. I feel like if this show was more fluidly animated, if it looked more like a, a conventional animated series, I would probably like it a lot more. And it's like the fact that they look like ugly doll versions of all the characters. It's just like, I don't know. I didn't mind it at all. And uh, it took me back to, uh, well, obviously, there's uh, Moral Oral, the, the comedy. Right, that's the Adult Swim, Swim version of Davy and Goliath, yeah. Yep, but Davy and Goliath, I, that just that was what resonated. Uh, like, back in the day on Sunday mornings, there was this uh, right. show uh, that, that taught you different lessons and morals 
uh, Davy and Goliath. Very religious show. See, I like my religion. Yeah, I'm surprised you watched Davy and Goliath. I like my religion from Davy and Goliath, but I don't. I don't like it in an Uber. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed uh, the religion from David Glass, not not from an Uber. You're but, like, give uh, me that yeah, old time religion. That's that's more the Hal Rudnick approach. I didn't mind the animation uh, as much as Lon. Born a snake handler. Uh, no, I yeah, I, I get that it's a personal. Brand. Listen, I I guess I'm finicky about animation, and you guys have to bear in mind, uh, I am an old man because like it's the same thing with the Star Wars animated shows like the bad batch or whatever like yeah. i i think that stuff looks kind of bad too i hear you but um it's worth it if you're a marvel fan and you and you want a couple of, and you want a couple of laughs some goofs some shenanigans and and some fun storylines to follow uh patton oswald is great like he was born to voice this character you know he does he does a super villain so freaking well and uh yeah it's uh, absolutely worth it lon what do you think? You think? Is this a good dismount point? My dog yeah. is barking, and I feel Let's, like... Uh, my dogs are barking, too. Boy, howdy. <laughs> I've been on my um, feet this whole time. But I'm glad we got to end on a high point, because we both uh, were kind of lukewarm to, like, uh, real thumbs down on the uh, Army of the Dead and Woman in the Window. So I wanted to jump out of the window. Right? Oy, <laughs> hey. But really, Amy Adams' character should have been arrested for peeping Tom... I want to thank everyone for listening, especially those of you in hashtag Owl Nation. Hoot, hoot. There's a little owl that lives in all of us. Oh, uh, thank you to Starburns. Lon disagrees. Starburns Audio. Thank you so much. Travis Reeves, our producer, holding it down on the ones and twos. Jason K. thank you for the sweet licks getting us into the show. And Lon Harris, tell everyone where... Uh, they can find you. Uh, find me on Twitter at L-O-N-S. That's the best place to find me. I'll update you about whatever it is that I'm working on. You can also read the Inside Streaming newsletter. That's free five days a week. It covers all of the stuff and more that we talk about here on Binge Boys. That's at inside.com slash streaming. You could sign up for that. And hey, if you are on the internet this week, I wrote a very exhaustive video for fandom uh, about Batman that is Batman by the numbers. I went back and I, here's what I did, Hal. I looked up yeah. every time in all of the live action Batman movies, whenever Batman has committed a crime, any kind of crime, and we counted it up so that, uh, you know, like you could, the answer, the finally answer the question, is Batman doing more good than harm? Like, is he, is he saving yes. and preventing more crimes than he's causing? So if you want to know the answer to that, uh, look that up by the numbers, The Crimes of Batman. That is on YouTube right now. Check it out. Gotcha. Is he a hero or is he just someone who goes around assaulting poor people? Well, it's a little bit of both. We're just trying to get a sense of where the balance lies. Yeah. He's definitely doing both of those things. He's being a hero and he is assaulting the poor. Or is he just some fucking narc in a costume? Yeah, well, that too. Um, that sounds awesome. Uh, check that out. Thanks, Lon. And, uh... Yeah, if you want to check out uh, my uh, general milieu, you can uh, go on over to Twitter or Instagram and find me at Hal Rudnick, H-A-L-R-U-D-N-I-C-K, or pop on over to twitch.tv slash Hal Rudnick. Also, if you're feeling frisky, we would love a nice Apple uh, uh, iTunes review. Go to the iTunes and give us... Uh, a review and the, whatever the maximum amount of stars you can give, 
wouldn't mind if you gave them all. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch in the fuck out of shit.